do you manage your anger and frustration when it feels like the whole universe is working against you? As a high achieving woman, it's hard not to play the blame game towards yourself, picking apart your decisions and actions, trying to find where things went wrong. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, and Barnes & Noble. The new year is just around the corner, and I want to take a moment to talk about New Year's resolution. I actually despise them. I think they are ridiculous and put an enormous amount of pressure on ourselves. In fact, as per the fitness app named Strava, who analyzed data from 98.3 million uploaded exercise activities, has labeled January 19th as Quitter's Day. It means the majority of people make it about two and a half weeks. Other data has shown approximately 80% of resolutions fail by mid-February. Here are my thoughts on why New Year's resolutions don't work, especially for the high achiever. Most of the time, New Year's resolutions are for the self. It's part of our ego saying that as that high achiever, you're still lacking in something and so you should do better. That usually involves some part of quote-unquote improving yourself. Whether it is fitness, healthy eating, getting organized, quitting smoking, less alcohol, or saving money. This is where the unrealistic expectations come in towards ourselves. You have to step into this resolution every day for 365 days of the year. But you didn't set yourself up for success. Here's why. The New Year's resolution usually gets made when you're on your winter break, when your schedule isn't the same as your day-to-day routine. You put pressure on yourself that you have to do it well without falter, but don't take into account the challenges that may come your way like tiredness, unforeseen circumstances, the kids getting sick, etc, etc. And then when the day comes where you faltered for, let's say, a few days in a row, it's easier to accept trying again next year instead of picking up and keep going. So this is what I recommend. Set an intention for the month. Assess how you'll be successful and what may get in your way. Then create a checkpoint two weeks in. Ask yourself how it's going, what is working, what isn't. Then at the end of the month, create a reflection moment so that you get to evaluate what transpired. Then in February, set a new intention or carry on the intention that was created in January. You get to keep repeating this day in and day out, month after month. And when you see your intentions stacking, then you have more confidence in your success and belief in yourself. With that in mind, I want to be able to help you during that first month because January is usually a time where we come off of that high from the winter break slash holiday season and we grin and bear it just to get through the winter months, especially within North America. So why not join me once a week for my free book club? We'll be taking a look at the book part by part and I'll be answering all your questions. For four straight weeks, we'll meet for one hour each week and go over imposter syndrome, perfectionism, burnout, and the last part of the book called darkness. You can grab the link in the show notes to sign up. Now, let me introduce you to my guest today. Brenda Rigney is a life and leadership coach and CEO of Three Uniques Coaching. After 25 plus years of supporting entrepreneurs, corporate boards, and family-owned businesses, scaling operations thoughtfully in HR, IT, marketing and sales, and coaching business leaders, she guides leaders and entrepreneurs how to unleash their uniqueness, align to their purpose, and take massive action with their goals. On today's episode, Brenda and I will be talking about how to embrace the voice inside, stepping out of guilt and shame. You know, the heavy emotions that our inner critic can use against us. Here we go.
Brenda, thank you so much for taking the time to be here as we start to talk about our inner gremlin. I'm excited. This is going to be great. Yeah. So if you think of a time, it can be any point in your life when your inner gremlin was really loud. Can you take me back to that moment in time and what was it saying to you? Uh, yeah, I can. It's like this past summer, like 2022. Mm-hmm. It was really loud for me. Briefly, the situation that was sort of coming up was my basement flooded. So, you know, moved into temp housing to kind of deal with that. Then while we were in temp housing, my daughter was doing a program in New York. She got COVID. I had to go to New York and quarantine with her, you know, and then we get the basement all taken care of. And then three weeks after moving back in, we get another flood in the basement. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So two floods, quarantine, you know, it was just like, it was a year, right? And it all happened over the course of the summer. We're still kind of in it about right now, but definitely what was happening for me at the time was like the inner gremlin's voice was really loud and like sort of pounding on my head and was living kind of in my top right, like shoulder area. I could just like feel it every morning when I woke up just to remind me of like all the fun things that I was going through. What was it saying to you during that time when everything was going on, even the second go about it, because one yeah. flood's in and of itself enough, but <laughs> add on that second. So I know. Well, that was the thing. Like the one flood, I was like, okay, you can deal with this. Like, you know, stop, you know, kind of crying, like stop being a baby about it. That's what was sort of coming into my head. It was very punishing, very diminishing, you know, and really not sort of taking just even the stress into consideration. It was just like, you know, like that hustle, you can hack your way through it, you know, that type of thing. And then when the second one came, it was like, okay, what have you done? Like you obviously like have done some harm to the universe and it's coming back at you, you know? And it was just like, okay, now it's like, so the first voice was kind of more like, get it together, figure it out, you know, kind of punishing, diminishing. And then the second was like, well, you obviously did something wrong like to somebody and like, you know, karma universe is coming back to you. So there was a bit of a blame tone to it. Yeah. Why do you think it's easy? Cause I find that so many high achievers have that automatic instinct to look inward and blame oneself mm-hmm. instead of taking a step back that bird's eye view and kind of surveying the environment. So why is it easy to turn it on ourselves? I've done a lot of like reflection on that and, you know, my background has always been developing leaders. So for me in those early days of sort of management and leadership and developing people, the frameworks that we used to work off of in business, and I'm like, you know, I've been in business and coaching leaders for, you know, close to 30 years now, but in those early days was all about like, what are you, like, what are your weaknesses? What are the things you need to develop on? Even the sort of outdated performance reviews in those sort of business cultures would have been like, there's obviously something wrong with you. And I worked in my early days in a lot of sales type environments. So you were only as good as yesterday's sales. You know, you could have been like, you know, the lead salesperson last year. And if you weren't making up, you know, last year's sales, you know, yesterday or today, it didn't seem to matter. Mm -hmm. So there was always this emphasis on, in my sort of upbringing in business culture was that there's something wrong with you. And so you always have to be working on your development areas. Then I think, you know, we started becoming a little bit more adaptive, especially when things like Marcus Buckingham came out, Gallup, employee engagement, looking at people's strengths. That started, you know, opening people's eyes and perspective to like, why are we just focusing on what's wrong with us when we've got a whole host of amazing things like skills, abilities, talents that are wonderful. And why aren't we celebrating those things and kind of focusing on the strengths? 
Unfortunately, I don't know if a lot of organizational cultures have decided on where they sit with it. They still kind of, I think by default, go back to that conditioning of like, what are your weaknesses? And you obviously need a development plan. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And I don't know why this became a thing in workplace culture where it's defining what those weaknesses are, because we all know that when we step into those interviews at times, we're always kind of tweaking them. So then we don't really show that weakness, right? Because then we're afraid, okay, well, someone's going to use it against us. Right. So something that I like to talk about, and that I actually brought it up in my book is a part of that weakness that we can see, we get to reframe it. And maybe it's something that we never develop that specific skill because it's not something of interest, or maybe it's an area that we get to outsource at that point in time. So if you were looking and coaching another high achiever, and they Mm -hmm. started to hear that voice where it's, they're really ragging on themselves and saying, Oh, it's my weakness. It's my weakness. What would you say to them? First of all, like kind of lean into it. I think we're also kind of a bit conditioned into dismissing those negative thoughts or those negative feelings that come up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just similar. I always sort of draw the parallel to like, I don't know, when we were a kid learning how to ride a bike, if that's something that people can relate to when they're listening to this this podcast episode. And maybe a parent or primary caregiver at the time, even a teacher would have said, oh, you know, don't cry, Brenda. It's okay. Just get up, you know, brush it off. Right. I was just like, well, hang on a second. Like my knee is like bleeding. It looks really scary. It feels awful. And I want to cry and I want to feel sad right now. And I want to feel frustrated or I want to feel angry that I can't figure out how to ride my bike uphill or, or ride it on gravel. And, you know, that sort of, again, dismissing the negative emotion or, you know, the counter emotion to happiness and joyfulness. And we're equipped with, I think, all of them. And so it's just I think one of the things going back to your question about like working with, you know, a high achiever that, you know, is feeling derailed by that, that negative or limiting thought is just to even sit with it for a few minutes. And like, what does it feel like to fully understand what that emotion is like? And what are the things that like, how is it serving you in this moment right now? Cause even feeling frustrated, it's like, there's a benefit to feeling frustrated. Maybe it's waking you up to, you know, a process or, you know, something that you've got going on in your life that's not working for you. And like, yeah, you're frustrated and it's causing you angst. You have an opportunity to maybe change it versus pushing it aside and just sort of hacking your way through it. So I would always just, you know, in a safe way, allow them the space to be able to sit with it. And then even just like download around it. Like, so, you know, what, are you feeling? And like, where's that showing up in your body? And even if that feels comfortable, what's the intensity level? Like describe it if they feel comfortable doing that. Sometimes again, people haven't had the opportunity or the invitation to talk about their emotions. So even then drawing a parallel to like where it sits in their body can feel a little bit not safe. So Mm -hmm. read the room, understand your client. You segued perfectly because then I was going to bring it back to when you had described your inner gremlin this past summer and Mm -hmm. how it showed up for you in your shoulder. And at times when we hear that inner gremlin and different moments, whether it's in our personal life or in our professional life, it can stimulate that tension in parts of our body. So for you, do you notice that it only sits in your shoulder or does it move to other parts of the body too when you hear that voice? Yeah. Awesome question. In my youth, in my younger days, I would get wicked toe cramps and leg cramps and my lower back would be in so much like just sort of locked frozen pain. Mm -hmm. And now I've, you know, because I've been 
taking on more mindfulness practices, whether it's meditation, also like physical mindful practices like yoga or Pilates, you know, I've managed to like those areas don't flare up for me. Like I can't remember the last time I had a toe cramp, but in my twenties, I can remember having toe cramps all the time. And so that's something that I feel like I've just overcome because of my mindfulness approach. But now it's shifted more towards my neck, my jaw area. It's kind of always been there. I feel like it's kind of like raising up and eventually just hopefully my goal is for it just to like leave. (laughs) What I've learned though, is like when those tensions come up, I listen to it. Because sometimes my thoughts might be all over the place around something, or again, could be just reverting back to that conditioning of like, just dismiss it, just hack your way through it. Weekend's coming. You can figure it out on the weekend. So I'll listen to my body a little bit more now. And I'll be like, okay, I'm getting some you know, tension in my neck or my jaw's feeling a little tight, or maybe I was grinding my teeth last night in my sleep and it's a little you know, sore right now. What are some of the things that are coming up? Like if I don't, if I can't recall it, I'll even just go back and look at my calendar over the last two or three days. Who was I talking to? What was I doing. Oh, right. Yeah. I was talking to this person and sometimes there's a little bit of a grind when we're talking, whoever that person is, maybe I've got some like leftover emotion with that. And again, it's just like, sit with it for a bit. What's the thought that's coming up? How am I feeling about it? And then usually it's like that pain or that tension tends to dissipate. So if I can catch it either by recognizing the thought that I'm having or the feeling that's showing up in my body and then just sit versus again, tucking it away and just hacking my way through it. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So many times before stepping in and understanding how certain emotions show up in our body or how our inner gremlin voice shows up in our body, I just mm-hmm. used to pack that away and <laughs> save it for the weekend too, or save it for a future time. Or like, you know, the bitch session with girlfriends on Saturday yeah. night, go over a glass of wine, which is good. Like you need those type of things. But if that's the only device that you have, the only tool that you have to sort of like, again, sit with those emotions and process them and understand them, it will one, depending on alcohol two, just having that sort of negative self-talk echoed by like three or four girlfriends, again, can feel good in the moment, but it doesn't necessarily, I feel like, I don't want to use the word cure, but like heal yourself really at the end of the day, it doesn't really Mm -hmm. heal sometimes those wounds. This is really good because... After those sessions and the same thing when it comes to alcohol or having to repeat that same negative component on a regular basis or to more than one person, we can almost step into what I like to call an emotional hangover, right? Mm -hmm. There's this residual aspect. We just kind of brought it to the forefront so, so much so, but we didn't necessarily dive into it on our own and figure out, okay, how and why is this bothering me? So for a moment in time this summer or even another experience, when you started to listen to your body, when you started to pay attention to it, what did you do to give yourself permission to say, okay, it's time for me to focus internally on what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling? Right. What was coming up for me while you were setting that up is sometimes what's happened to me and I can think about situations this summer or anytime I'll come across a boundary violator, someone who's violated my boundaries. And I say that in a very compassionate way, because sometimes those people are family and friends that I actually really love and care about. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about like a stranger that, you know, I don't know, cuts me off in traffic and makes me feel bad about myself because they gave me the finger. I'm not talking about those people. Those people don't necessarily register too long in my nervous system, but it's probably more the people that I love and care about and and feel that from them and that there's been some type of boundary violation. So for, for me, it's more, you know, the, the obvious thing is I could be in that moment of tension 
you know, put the hand up, I need a break, like back off and retreat. That's kind of my natural, like when we talk about fight, flight, freeze, I'm definitely the flight person. I'll just like back off and leave. I have instances going back like to like early days in my youth where I'm like, oh yeah, I was the one that like stormed out of the room and left. But I did not manage my anger and frustration. Now for me, it's, I may get quiet. I don't necessarily storm out of the room, but I may get quiet. And then it's a moment for me to go back and say, okay, where am I not being, and it's not a blame thing for me, but where am I not being intentional with this person? And maybe I'm not being intentional with myself first about something. So I'll just go back, do a little bit of a check. Again, calendar is always good for me. I can just go back and say, okay, what was I saying yes to over the last two or three days? It just doesn't feel good and aligned to me. And if I overcommitted myself to that person in some way and it's not feeling good, you know, I'll go back. I may have to like renege on that commitment, apologize, figure out another way to, you know, help them out in some way, especially if they were really counting on me and go back. But I would say that that's less so now because I'm more intentional about doing those things. It still pops up. I'll still say yes to something. I'll be like, it's not sitting well with me and I need to go back. And, but I think that's where it's like an intentional apology. Here's another resource, you know, sorry that I'm not available and, you know, go from there. And I try not to do it too often because I don't want to necessarily, again, you know, lose a friend or a family member over it. I think it's just recognizing there's been some boundary violation. With the holiday season coming up, because this is something, especially since we're in a post-pandemic era right now, and we're trying to navigate and Christmas parties, holiday parties, every type of party that happens in the month of December, including New Year's as well, there's going to be a lot more pressures that tend to happen, especially with the world opening up right now. And talking about those boundaries and giving yourself permission when you know you need to set that boundary or keep that boundary. Yeah. But your inner gremlin all of a sudden sneak attacks you (laughs) during the holiday season. What would you, maybe you've experienced it, or what would you say to someone who feels like their boundaries have been, either they feel like they've neglected themselves or someone's pushed too hard during the holiday season? Look at your calendar, schedule yourself some hall passes that you can like, tuck away. And what, what are those hall passes for you? And I use those just as an expression, but what are the things that, you know, instantaneously, if I, Hey, if I take half an hour or an hour to do this, it's just going to give me more energy, more lightness, more openness, you know, to respond to situations that are going to come my way. Um, and that could be, let's just anticipate some things, some guilt, some shaming. <laughs> Why didn't you come to my party? You know, I'll see you on Friday night. Your aunt Gladys is expecting you. And she's going to talk about all the things you're wearing and not wearing, (laughs) you know, whatever those things are. So I think part of it is just like anticipating some of that, Um, especially if there's a bit of family obligation or friends obligation. Like if you don't show up and it's like, so fine, you're going to show up. You could always leave a little bit early, but also schedule some stuff for yourself. Like what are the things that you know that will allow for some rest, for some recharge and so that you can enjoy the holiday season. The holidays are tough for people. I think I was just reading... It's like in American psychology magazine, I'm not quoting this properly, but like 40% of Americans don't actually like this time of year. It brings back grief, whether or not they lost someone specifically between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's, or, you know, they could have lost them in the spring, but it's just, I'm not able to celebrate the holidays with this person. Maybe it's about a breakup that you're not able to do with somebody. Maybe it's the stressors of year end in your business. 
you know, and you haven't made your revenue targets, like whatever those things are, it's not always the best time for people. And I think your point about like us being not accessible to people over the last few years because of COVID restrictions, there may be this pressure. So I think just do yourself a favor and go into your calendar right now and just block off some things for yourself, whether that's like getting out for a walk by the water, schedules in time with the dog. Like they don't care. There's no obligation with them. They're just happy if you spend five minutes or, or two hours with them or intentionally set up some things with people that, you know, lift you up. That's the other thing. Like maybe there's a girlfriend or a cousin that's going to be coming into town. And you're like, okay, we need to like have two hours to kind of escape the, the frenzy of family activities. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just laid it out so well for people because I think what we do is we plan, 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 but we don't plan what we need for ourselves Yeah, into our calendar. And so if we look ahead, we give ourselves those hall passes, then we make ourselves a priority mm-hmm. during that time. Because for some reason, and I know for me, this is how it was, especially from a cultural perspective, is growing up, there was a lot of pressure around, okay, well, you got to show up for everyone else and you got to show up and everyone's got to like be on their best behavior and all of this stuff. And I feel like that even followed me into adulthood. And so carving out that time to make sure that you're not going back to work in January thinking that you need another vacation. Yeah. Just as an example, and this is something I've never done before and it's kind of, and my partner's never done it. So we're just like, what if it doesn't work? And I'm like, but what if it does? This could be really cool. So we've never done this before. It's always like, you know, this like burn until like the 24th, if you're, you know, Christian and you're celebrating, you know, Christmas and stuff, but he is notorious for like wrapping presents, Christmas Eve, you know, one o'clock in the morning, he was doing it last year. And I was like, babe, like I'm going to bed. Like I, I had my presents wrapped like two weeks ago. So I'm like, um, I'm going to bed. And then this year I said to him, what if we went away? Our kids are older. Some of them are going to go off and spend some time with grandparents and make cookies and stuff like that. And I just said, what if we went away for two days before Christmas? He's like, what? (laughs) It was like mind blowing to him. He's like, are you sure? Like the Christmas, like angels aren't going to come down and crucify us. I'm like, no, like we're going to go away for two days. So we're going off to Vancouver Island. We rented a VRBO. We're going to go to Sombrero Beach. We're just going to like go hang out at the beach for like two days and do some hiking and check out Port Renfrew and and just chill for two days. And then we're going to come back on the 24th and like immerse ourselves back into things. That is the best idea I've heard in a really long time. So I'm I'm going to tell you it is going to work. I know it's the first, <laughs> the first go at it, but it is definitely going to work. And being able to reset our expectations around whether it's a goal for work, the holiday season, whatever it is in our personal life gives us the opportunity to then take off and relieve a little bit of that pressure so then we can step in and be our best self. You touched on one word that I want to go back and talk about. So guilt, guilt that comes with anything, not just the holidays, but for the high achiever, And that inner gremlin voice, when guilt comes in with the inner gremlin, how do we go about embracing it, embracing that voice, but then stepping out of guilt? Because it can last a really long time. Going back, like I said, two things. I said guilt and shame because I usually pair them together. And the way I sort of separate them out, though, is guilt is something that I generate through my self-doubt about something. And shame is usually generated by somebody else. 
And so I think you need to discern between the two because sometimes we say guilt, but it's really shame. So where's that, like, where's that origin story coming from around the guilt? And is it me just projecting self-doubt on myself and then feeling guilty about things that I've obligated myself to? And so just like my story that I just shared about me and my partner taking two days off, like the 21st, 22nd, well, 22nd, 23rd, and then the morning of the 24th to go away for two days, like we both felt a little bit of guilt, but then it was just like, well, hang on a second, where's that coming from? And is it really related to our relationship and us spending time together? And even where our kids are at or where our parents are at, it was like, we just kind of went through it and was like, no, it's not related to that. It's just something else. And so we were able to clear it. And then I think for other people that might be listening is like, okay, so if you're realizing the guilt isn't really generated through you and it's being generated through shame, then I would say that's being projected to you by somebody else. And so again, that goes back to those boundary violators. Most of the time, the people that are sometimes like that are projecting that shame onto us are people that are in our life, our family and friends. And they might be saying some things that are making us not feel great about ourselves. So again, if you know, and I just use the term Aunt Gladys, like if you have an Aunt Gladys, I apologize. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to like diminish or I have yes. biased Aunt Gladys is out there, but you know, it's that family member that you see a couple of times a year over the holidays that talks about your weight, that talks about your skin, why you're not married. Why don't you have 10 kids? Like, you know, whatever those things are, right. That makes you not feel great about yourself. It makes you feel shame in some way is that's where I'm like, if you know that that person's going to be there and it's not like you're going to like not go to Christmas dinner and not see your family and all that sort of stuff because of one person, what do you need to do beforehand to just make sure that you're feeling strong, right? And, you know, and, and who's your wing person <laughs> at that event, right? Your cousin, you know, Sally or your uncle Bob that can be like your wing person. It's like, I'm just like hanging on to you all night long. So hopefully, you know, Aunt Gladys doesn't get her word in. And I know it sounds a little bit strategic and maybe a little bit conniving that way if someone looked at it from a negative standpoint, but you got to do you, you got to put yourself first out there. You can't always be, you know, hiding away from some of these family interactions. And let's face it, there's going to be some people that you don't necessarily want to hang out with over the holidays, but then there's also others that you do. So I don't think you should limit yourself that way and not see anybody. Anyways, hopefully I didn't drag on too much about it, but I think it's just understand the difference between where's that guilt coming from? Is it you that's generating it or is it really masked as shame and it's coming from someone else? Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate you going into detail with this because it can give our inner gremlin just that voice to really say mean and hurtful things during that time. And then it just gets amplified because of the people that we ended up surrounding ourselves with. So right. if we're strategic with it going into it, then we get to lower the dial of that volume dial for the inner gremlin and choose to speak kinder words to ourselves. So no, I, yeah. yeah. Know that we've got to walk the next morning to like shake it off. Exactly. Then that hall house is already planned and ready to go to be able right. to take care of yourself. Oh, I love this. Tell me, Brenda, what do you have going on coming up in the new year? Would love you to share that. Uh, yeah. So I have a annual mastermind that starts at the beginning of the new year. It's called Aligned AF. It's for women leaders and entrepreneurs, sort of 40 to 60 in that age range, because I feel that right now there's a lot of, and especially this is even evidence coming out of COVID. There's a lot of senior leaders out there that are leaving organizations that they're feeling lost. Like they just don't feel like they have a connection to their level of expertise and what they want to contribute to. They still, they feel like they have lots to give, but they also feel like they have to prove themselves. And I just feel like, you know, at that level, they should really be seen as being mentors and sponsors for 
younger people that are growing their career and, you know, have opportunities to continue to still excel in their organization or create the next one. So Aligned AF is for women leaders looking at all areas of their life, like their work, their relationships, their health, their wealth, how they want to impact their community, because they still have so much to give. And um, yeah, we're starting the new enrollment in February of 2023. So join, have fun, <laughs> connect with lots of great women leaders and entrepreneurs and, you know, build this aligned, uh, well, I call it an aligned AF life. Awesome. Is there any last words that you would share with someone who may feel like their inner gremlin is really loud right now and they can't really turn down that dial just yet? Yeah, it kind of goes back to just feeling comfortable that you could sit with it for a bit. And when I say sit with it, like really get cozy, get the cozy blanket, get the textured mug. I'm like lifting up the video here, but I've got like a ridged mug, you know, like bring more texture, more sights, more pleasant sounds, more scents that are like warming, nurturing, comforting around you. You know, so, and I think especially the holidays, I don't know, I love cinnamon during the holidays, right? Pine. So if that's like earthy tone sense for you, bring that around. I think having more textured, like a cozy blanket, you know, a ridged mug, seashells, whatever that is, like, you know, that just kind of gives you more connection. Because mm-hmm. I think often what happens is, you know, these thoughts become so overwhelming. You start to kind of disassociate, kind of back off from things and you need a few things to kind of ground you. So if you can't do it yourself, use some sense, sights, sounds, textures around you to do that. Love that. Such an easy way to set a reminder for that. Brenda, thank you again for spending the time with me and sharing just a wealth of knowledge. Thanks, Jessica. It's great having you. Or great being on. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Brenda gave us one of her most recent battles with her inner gremlin. And it just goes to show you, you can do all the work and coach others, and at times it may still show up. And yes, there is a benefit to frustration. It shines a light on a piece of yourself you may need to work on. Knowing this, you can take moments to look inward and see where you need to be more intentional with yourself. Instead of tearing yourself down, wondering, I can't believe this inner gremlin showed up again. Okay, key takeaways from today. Number one, find your wing person to support you during the stressful times. This could be one person or it may be a group of people. I like to call these people your trust squad members. These are people who delight in your success and will support you even during the darkest moments in life. They do not judge you. If you walk away from someone and then start overthinking if you shared too much, then that person is not a member of your trust squad. Start to evaluate the people in your life and narrow down the ones you can rely on and what that truly means to you. Number two, Take a moment to ground yourself with your ideal cozy items that give you comfort and connection. With the holiday season upon us and maybe giving yourself that hall pass means stepping in and embracing your cozy items. But when you start to define that, you get to use that outside of the holiday season and any time you need to nurture yourself. Let me share with you what my cozy items are. They're my glare up slippers, a cup of tea, a fantasy fiction book, a cozy blanket, and a bunch of unscented candles. This is my safe space for me to recoup my energy. And before I forget, because I know a lot of you also like to have that cozy experience when you're reading your book, and if you've picked my book up, I want to tell you that I partnered with Denman Island Tea Company, which is a local company of British Columbia out on the Gulf Islands. 
and I partnered with them and they created signature teas for my book, a caffeinated and a non-caffeinated one. So you can have one for morning, day, or even as you're getting ready for bed. So you should check them out. The link will be in my bio. Every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. What are your ideal cozy items, people, or places? I can't wait to hear what your answers are. So send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessicametcalfe.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.